Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I've written British Doubt, Rockets and Stuff. What's happening in the uh, garage, James? Uh, not much at the moment, Sean. It's, uh, everything's back to normal after, uh, after, after the uh, petrol nightmare. I'm just looking across now. It's a very rainy night here in Dorset. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah it very, is here as well. Quiet scenes. I was just about it. to hit yeah. go and then it thundered down with rain. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have to move everything downstairs. And then it Ooh, stopped. Yeah. So I'm just hoping... Uh, it's not going to start again. It's be so loud. I don't think anyone will mind, Cleves, no, if they hear a bit atmospheric. Of... Yeah, yeah, I think it will be. You could you could start reading a ghostly story if it starts raining like again. Tiny meteorites. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey. Very good. Right, let's do the podcast, baby. Yeah, start the podcast. Start the podcast immediately. Fire up the podcast, please. Britain, an ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. gentlemen goblins and ghouls welcome back to the 17th episode of the general Witchfinders podcast i'm james in bournemouth in southern england i am john pountney and i'm in south wales which is in the south of wales and i am ross in dorchester southern england and today we will cover quatermass 2 aka enemy from space yes. sort of i was right they're coming down by the hundreds get hall listen Listen very carefully. If you ever hear a sound like this, run for your life. Run, run before it is too late. For if you stay, you will lose your soul. Coming closer, closer, 
closer is an enemy from outer space. From out of this world it came, a horrifying terror that threatened mankind, haunting and possessing every human being within range, an indestructible danger beyond all earthly understanding. Vincent Broadhead is dead. Dead? I watched him die a few hours ago in that plant, his whole body covered with some kind of corrosive poisoning eaten away. It poisoned everything it touched. The mind and the body of man was no longer in his control. They ran from this unknown menace, but there was no escape. We're holding this block. We've got to. At least until the oxygen takes effect. What's in those doors, mister? Yes, what is it? Tell us. Inside those domes are creatures from outside this earth. Are you mad? I've seen them. Thousands of tiny creatures that can join together and expand into things a hundred feet high. Christmas 2, a.k.a. From Space in the United States and Canada is a 1957 black and white British science fiction horror film from Hammer Film Productions, directed by Val Guest, that stars Brian Dunleavy, John Longdon, Sidney James, aka Sid James, <laughs> Brian Forbes, Vera Day, and William Frank. Vera Lynn. <laughs> Quasimass 2 is a sequel to Hammer's earlier film, The Quasimass Experiment. Like its predecessor, it is based on the BBC television serial Quasimass 2, written by Nigel Neal favourite of the uh, the podcast. Brian Donlevy reprises his role as the eponymous Professor Bernard Quatermass, making him the only actor to play the character twice in a film. It's considered as the first film sequel to use the to slash ii suffix within the title. The film's storyline concerns Quatermass's investigation of reports of hundreds of meteorites landing only in the Winodine Flats area of the UK. His inquiries lead him to a huge industrial complex, strikingly similar to his own plans for a moon colony. This top-secret facility is, in fact, the centre of a conspiracy involving the alien infiltration of the highest echelons of the British government. Quatermass and his allies must now do whatever is necessary to defeat the alien threat before it is too late. The first Quatermass film had been a major success for Hammer, and eager for a sequel, they purchased the rights to Nigel Neal's follow-up for the B- uh, before the BBC had even begun transmission of the new serial. For this adaptation, Nigel Neal himself was allowed to write the first draft of the screenplay, although subsequent, subsequent drafts were worked on by director Val Guest, who directed the first Hammer Quatermass. When Ross has put too many S's there, so it says quite a mass. Mass. <laughs> well, like I'm drunk. Quite a mass. Guest once again employed many cinema verite techniques to present the fantastical elements of the plot Brilliant. with the greatest degree of realism. Nigel Neal was critical of the final film, mainly on the account of the retired of the return of Brian Dunleavy in the lead role. Neil was yeah. unhappy with Dunleavy's interpretation of the character and also claimed that the actor's performance was marred by his alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> All great facts. Oh, I know, so far. Right. Although Quasimass 2 was financially successful, its box office performance was eclipsed by the massive success of another Hammer film and subject of an earlier general witchfinder's The Curse of Frankenstein, which is the first of their many gothic horror films. As a result, it would be 10 years before Hammer adapted the next Quatermass serial for the cinema with Quatermass in the Pit in 1967. Mm. Supposedly, Quatermass was originally shot in Ansa Color, developed by ACFA, 
but released in black and white. And it's said that the colour negatives still exist in the archives. Well, I've never heard that before. Although this could be a weird online hoax. Yeah, I, I found a couple of websites who say this, but the, the pictures they show look really badly coloured. And then mm. they go on to say that there's a version of it where the the um, the girl in the bar was topless and it was only shown in, in Germany. <laughs> and it looks, like, it looks like a still from another film for me. Uh, right. This sounds like bollocks to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you feel like, why, um, why, why make this Unless you up? shot it twice... All you to do is shoot it in colour and then have to turn it into black and white from colour negatives. Well, apparently... Well, which what, no one would do. What I read is that the, the uh, answer film was really crap. It was like the Nazis' version of colour film, which they developed to try and make better propaganda Ooh. films. And all the faces <laughs> yeah. come out purple and stuff. But it was oh, really that's cheap. Bollocks. But I don't believe, yeah, that's bollocks. I don't believe it's true. No, the, the, the German colour films were the best in the world that's in the say. 30s. Mm. They didn't do anything badly, the Nazis, really, did they? Let's face it. I was about it. to say, Brer Nazi didn't muck about well, with well, science you know, so no. much, did well, you they? Say they would have been badly, you know, <laughs> well, with, yes, with, yeah, yeah. it all depends on you know, the, your definition of... Well, it's relative, is. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they built the best tanks. If, if they were like, we want a tank, they built the best tank. They, did, they weren't shoddy yeah. with their tanks, etc. Okay. The big thing for me that I wanted to say was I was I'm what I'm really enjoying about this, and it was exact exactly the same with the Earth Nice Screaming, is mm. it's an amazing kind of like snapshot into what like life in Britain post-war. Yeah. It was amazing. And I said that as I put on there, excitedly, Hemel Hempstead Newtown. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, they've yeah, all yeah. kind of tied it into like the building of like places like Hemel Hempstead, um, in kind of post-war Britain. And there's mm. this amazing sense of kind of like changing of time. Mm -hmm. I, that's what I really loved about it. This whole kind of like 1950s white heat of science vibe to mm. it. But at the mm. same time as well, this whole kind of like the old way of like old English villages are going. And then, mm. like, oh, look, we're, we're filming here on this, you know, genuinely you can see. And I thought, oh, that'd be a fun thing to do would be to go to Hemel Hempstead and see if you could figure out yeah, oh, I'd love to do that. Yes. Well, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. also the, the idea that that the UK may actually have some kind of space program as well. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> more on that in a minute as well. It's very optimistic. The pretext is optimistic, but it's actually a very negative uh, film, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. But but James, you've hit the thing. You've hit the nail on the head there with Nigel Neal. Like everything that he's about is the old being hidden and kind mm -hmm. of veneered over by the new. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. obviously um, the stone tape. That's the kind of pretext oh, yeah, of the definitely. stone tape, isn't it? But I was, I was just, this morning. Um, I was listening to the radio, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if? And I reckon that you know you might be able to do this in the future. Like you could just like go to a website. You could see pictures on the radio. Oh, no, is that no. what you thought? No, it would be great if I could. Just, I thought I would like to just listen to what like live radio, as it were, from like the past. So I like mm. to listen to. And then I thought, oh, I, I, I can get um, Ready for Extra on here. So I don't have to listen to the Today programme. So yeah. I, I put it on to, and it was listening to um, Handcast Half Hour this morning. Mm, amazing. Mm. And I was just thinking. Another Sid James thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But and also people laugh differently back then. And it's just amazing, like within a couple of generations, the, even the way people sound when they laugh and the way people talk, it's completely different. You think as much as you think things stay the same, they just change so quickly. You know, mm. to everything about people's lives. And I think this was a uh, particular time, like you said, James, in mm. in British history where 
so much was changing and you can you, mm-hmm. you can see that but it probably was uh quite frightening for people yeah, management of that change was attempted wasn't it so the government at that point still tried to build new houses build motorways level up you know yeah, yeah. like People had power and gas. They had food, and it's like mm. this is this is the modern thing now. Is that the government kind of seems to shrug responsibility for all of the things that governments are meant to do, mm. um, which is well, well, they just say let the free market do it, and then yeah, 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 and yeah. then if yeah. there's gas yeah. supplies disappear overnight, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let the free market do it. Then there's no petrol, yeah. there's no sandwiches, there's no bread, there's. Um, is that the rain? Here comes the rain. So sorry, <laughs> listeners. It's um, very rainy. Atmospheric. Here. Yeah, it's atmospheric. So we these, like it. Like I said earlier, these are tiny meteorites um, landing um, in, <laughs> in Dorchester. Yeah, near Poundbury, so the, the new town of Poundbury. Yes. The film starts with um, some youngsters, as he calls them later, even though they look about fifty, um, out for a jaunt in a car in some very. Um, Unconvincing, really, uh, night for day footage of um, like an old MG. Oh my god, hell just scared the shit out of me then. <laughs> creeping around like a fucking creeping Jesus. What was the cre- Where's the creeping Jesus? That's something my mum talks about as well. It was Jesus creeping, isn't it? But why did he creep? Romans. So she's driving a little roadster. <laughs> a guy is in the um, passenger seat. He looks like Cleaver. Um, <laughs> he does. When he's, at, when he's had a few pints of cider too, too many. Um, he tries to steer the car a bit like Cleaver would probably try and do as well. And then they fall out Only the car. Only would you be driving as fast as that woman, John. <laughs> <laughs> With no headlights no. on. Did they nearly hit quite Yeah, they forced yeah. Quaithbus off the road. Yeah, in his lovely, um, I think it's a singer kind of estate. Mm. So it's a Roots Group uh, uh, company of motor car, and I think it's a singer. Or it might be a Sunbeam. I can't remember which it is, but so it's, it's like an ID, estate ID, car. I'll look it up. Yeah, have a look. Have a look, Cleves. Um, so, yeah, built in Coventry, probably. You know, the great British bastion of car manufacturing in the, mm-hmm. in the 50s. Um, so he gets out and it transpires that this guy has been, um, hit by fragments of a, of a rock or something. Mm-hmm. And he's got this mark on his face. Uh, and then straight away, pretty much we're straight into a title sequence and then into the story. Wow. Yeah. I, I was going to say, nice cold open. And, and straight I, I, in, I, I imagine, yeah. yeah. And I imagine yeah. that would have been two episodes of the TV version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this film is brilliant. Firstly, because there's so much plot and it rattles through. I think it's like an hour and 20 minutes or something. It's extremely ambitious. It's uh, massively it's, ambitious. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, Quasimus drives a Mark VI Humber Hawk estate car. Versus- oh, well, that is a, that's still a Roots Group car. And I might, it might have been badge engineered, so they might also have featured as a singer or as a hillman. So your, your base model would be a Hillman. That's that would be the cheapest trim, and then your trim would go up to the Humber, and the Humber would be the posh one. There you go. So famously, yeah. you would have the Humber Super Snipe, which was like the three liter like Executive Express. Um, so you go now to um, some very nice map paintings yes. and some nice model shots of a 
of a rocket and you've got a satellite dish and then mm. you've got a nice big airy set of their, like, a Bauhaus-inspired kind of rocket mm. group headquarters. Yeah, and Quasar um, marches in, acts like a complete dick to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've put, now, because see, because I hadn't seen the original Quasimass, I've, I've since read up about it and yes. I'm intrigued to watch it now. And I've, uh, and one of the things that came across was, oh, one of the striking things is that, you know, his whole attitude in the original film is like this, you know, like the, the, um, the astronauts die and the yeah. other one gets turned into like a space monster basically on, on, because, because of his mission. And like the, the end of the movie, he's just like, well, I'm just going to send some more people off into space now. And it's very like lackadaisical about it. Like, yeah. okay, let's, let's go. And like, let's, so yes. I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Yes. But what I thought was they don't really explain in this one that yeah. he's an American. So I've put that like Jimi Hendrix and Blondie, he's come to the UK to make his name. <laughs> is he? he I don't realise that. He's, really he's, he's <laughs> American, Ross. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I've just been watching, um, I've been watching Quitamass 4 tonight and with mm. John Mills. He's not American at mm. that, is he? No. No. Yeah. The, the, the proper Quatermass is British. He was named right. after Bernard Lovell, who in, who created and designed um, Jodrell Bank. Mm. Uh, what do you call it? Dish or kind of relay yes. station or whatever it is. Yeah. And and the second name he found at random in the phone book. Um, cool. Quatermass. He went through the phone book and found that name. But um, yeah, it, in the in the first two films, he's British, and Hammer had this. Um, ploy at the time of bringing in an American B movie ah. star and make, making them a you know so it was a bit of Got a box it. office draw. Yeah. So his now performance as as Quatermass is very different to all the other Quatem Quatermai. <laughs> and so yeah, so as Ross says, he turns up at his kind of UFO research station. And what we're told is he's just spent the day in Westminster and what I've just put is bloody bean counters. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, poor Britain absolutely cripples post-World yeah. War II. Yeah, the Marshall you know, Plan. Exactly. You know, everyone's still on rationing and he's yeah. like, they won't let me build my moon base. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yo, well duh. Yeah, we got a nice model out of it. I just love a good yeah. model. Yes. Like the exposition in that part just rattles through, and you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He flies all over the place. He has a go at them, then he yeah. apologizes, and it's just like, yeah. Well, yeah. Then he mentions reusable rockets about um, thirty years before the space shuttle. Yeah. Um, he talks about man on the moon, the moon project. Then he shows um, William Franklin, who is one of our heroes from. Um, Satanic Rites of Dracula. Yes. Oh, he's, he's the guy in Satanic Rites of Dracula who's always got his shirt open to the navel, um, <laughs> if you remember from that. Very masculine bead. Not quite as masculine in this. I think well, he got... Johnny Acula? No, no, no. Satanic Rites of Dracula. I get mixed up with uh, right, Dracula. The one you nice didn't like, Ross. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. the one that was grey, it was boring. It was oh, looked, yes. Yeah. London looked really dirty. Forgot it. So he, that's, he's like the chief of the um, secret service in that. Mm. Remember now? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway. So he just rattles through all this stuff, doesn't he? Rocket group, atomic bomb, atomic-powered reusable space rocket, a colony on the moon. No and- rocket, if they launch it, it will blow up. Because blow up. Yeah. There's a little bit of Chekhov's gun. This thing's a death trap. It's not quite right, is it? Um, but uh, he has missed uh, or hasn't been told at this point that um, Brand and Marsh, are they called, have been yep. following 
um, scanning meteorites falling mm. that night. Surprise, surprise, and by a great coincidence, just where he has been some hours earlier. Yeah. So this is how we're kind of, we literally like parachute straight into the action, don't we? And, yes. And that is very, very nice to behold. But it's not done in a way which is too, uh, it doesn't feel rushed, really, no. and none of it feels unrealistic. It just no. feels very kind of well, well structured. No, you, you, know, you don't, you don't. It doesn't stop long enough for you to question it and think. No, yeah, yeah. compared to something There's... like Extra, where that where <laughs> oh man, just even mentioning it, just, oh, <laughs> don't feel a bit unwell. I still don't think that we actually watched that film. <laughs> <laughs> I still think we had some kind of trick, mass hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we just it stopped at the part we where he um, he does um, the two thousand one two thousand and one space odyssey, yeah. and then we all saw <laughs> something different. I reckon like, it maybe it does feel like a description of some kind of like um, alien abduction um, regression yes. thing. Maybe we was we all had lost time and we were yeah. being probed, and that's what they put yeah. beam into our head. Well, Ross, I you you, right. you I remember you reading Communion by Whitley Stryver when we were at school, Ross. Yeah, so very you know, I think scared of that be- book. Very scared. <laughs> very scared of the book. What did the book do, Cleves? It like got up and started no, I, creeping around. I, I, it was a case of like I really, really wanted to read it, but I was also terrified of it, and and I was worried that it was going to unlock some regressed memory within me. And I woke up in the night after reading it, and I could hear this like noise, and there was your own bowels. And there was this flashing orange light outside the house, and I can remember just like laying there, just sweating, and like and then like eventually got up and looked out the window to see what it was, and it was a um like a, a road Bin sweeper man. because someone <laughs> smashed the window in the, in the bus shutter outside the house. And were, <laughs> Back to Blighty. From that bit, there's a one, as I said, they start to put together like, well, what's going on? And Quasman mm. says, well, I ran into these two young kids. And he says, he had this. And even yeah. though it does just look like a rock, they're, they're all very convinced that it is, you know, some kind of... Yeah. And the, you yeah, know, and kind a, of mini, miniature rocket. Well, he said, and, go, go and reconstruct what this looked like before it came it, from. Yeah. That's the bit yeah. he says, I want you, and I've written it down, make a reconstruction of the shape of this thing before it hits the Earth's atmosphere. Right, the scientist goes, yeah, sure, like I'm on it. And I've written down, hang on, mate, we've literally only just got indoor toilets in this country. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, what are you expecting him to do? This is a fucking radio telescope. We ain't got, we can't do that sort of stuff here. No, what, but the scientist is like, yeah, sure, I'll get on it. What I love is the kind of unwavering championing of scientists in this film and the fact yes. that at this point it was thought that scientists can do anything. Exactly, yeah. Like solve yeah. anything. So in the, in the 50s and 60s, science, a scientist was a scientist of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah in the eighties, yeah, yeah. computers did everything. Uh, yes. You could you could control street lights with your computer. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you can control um, weather satellites. Yeah, you, know, you didn't even have to plug it into a phone line. Yeah. So basically, science was magic in the fifties. Computers well, were magic. In the I don't 80s. know if they were magic. They were just right. Whereas <laughs> now, a man, a man with three teeth who sits in a bus shelter and reads things like that he sees on the floor is probably acknowledged as being more of an expert on viruses than, well, exactly. than because, the um, chief health officer because, yeah. of Britain now. Because you always have to have someone who's got an... Uh, you always got to have someone who's got the uh, opposite opinion, given the same yes. amount of the same amount of time and uh, credibility. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So well, op- opposite opinions to facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. 
And I, and speaking of, uh, of such things, we'll get onto it in a bit, but as John is absolutely right, I agree with him that like science was like science. Yes. You know, just you know, scientists will be absolutely on this one. And the other thing, and especially from this era as well, is politicians are to be entirely trusted and mm. know what's best for all of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because yeah. when, and oh, without pouring everyone's tears too much, I do a thing where, um, in part of the, my job when I'm teaching is I have to tell kids about like when we got rid of the death penalty in this country and why we don't have mm. it anymore. And one mm. of the things they said was it was passed as a kind of private members bill in the 1960s. And the historian Dominic Sandbrook is on a, a documentary that I show them. And he just said this, like, if you would have tried to do this now, it never would have got through. Like back in the 1960s, there was this feeling that MPs are, are, are betters and they're doing everything, you know, for us entirely. And he's like, yeah, there's no way you could do that now. And I thought that as I was watching this film, it was just like the MP is like portrayed as, don't worry, we'll get to the bottom of this. Well, you're like, the MP's probably being like paid off. That's probably what we'd be thinking now. It's like, he's probably getting like a big alien payday. To, you know, kind of keeping quiet about this things. Is, this is an era where you didn't or don't question politicians being right. And that's what that's what makes the film work. It's because the the politicians are baddies and they are the enemy within, and they are you know this predates commun. It doesn't predate communism, but it really kind of predates the peak of the Cold War and stuff. Um, and I think that's why it works. It's because you know you have all this British kind of stiff upper lip stuff. It's kind of like a British um, body snatchers, isn't it? Because yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. probably snatches was a um, a metaphor for um, that was communism, communism as well, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah. So yeah, it's all about um, colonization, colonialism. This film uh, and the horror of invasion. But I think what makes mm. it interesting is that it's it's rather than told from the natives' point of view, and at that point I'm doing inverted commas, this is actually told from the British point of view, which, which is quite unusual in the 50s. Mm. Almost unheard of, actually, to be like, to almost think that colonialism or colonialization is wrong. Mm-hmm. A, a moth just flew into my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to, um, there's a really good podcast I listen to called um, Sophomore Lit, where basically mm-hmm. they get... Um, people to go back and read the books which they were assigned at school and then reassess them. And I was listening to the War of the Worlds one and they was talking about saying that uh, at that point when uh, that was written, basically Britain had colonised the whole of the world pretty much. Yeah. And yeah, they, yeah. they were the, the main big power. And But then they said there was a lot of invasion um, novels written at that point where another country would come and invade England England, uh, and this is one of the first ones, where, uh, War of the Worlds, one of the first ones, and they turned it into like a, an, an extraterrestrial um, invasion. But they said there was a lot of fear um, in England at that point. It's like, well, we've, we, we are now the biggest, most powerful thing on, uh, uh, empire on the planet. Mm. What if there was someone bigger and stronger than us? You know, mm. you know there, was a, there was a lot of kind of like, pent up fear about that kind of thing. And I thought that was mm. really quite interesting. Mm. Well, this is just the point when, um, I can't think when the Suez crisis was, but this is around the time of the Suez crisis, isn't mm. it? It was that 56. So that's when Britain is literally just maybe waking up to the fact that they haven't got a clue what they're doing anymore. Mm. And, um, 
America and yeah. Russia have just like flown ahead, basically. Yes. You're quite right, John. Uh, 1956. Yeah, and I think that's another. Um, I, there's so many aspects to this yeah. film that you can just pinpoint, really, and that's yeah. why I think it is such a really interesting piece of science fiction writing. And to put this even anywhere near the same genre as Extro <laughs> or Hellraiser, you just think, "Oh my god!" Like um, we see one of the very few women in this film um, getting quite <laughs> upset that she hasn't got a coffee ready for um, the scientists are going to be coming in uh, uh, at some point. Yeah, uh, when Quatermassing um, comes back to work in the morning, and th- well, they they decide that they're going to go and investigate further. Yes, they're going to yes. go and say, "Can we find some more rocks?" Are we going to go to Winnerden Flats? Yeah, Winnerden exactly. Flats. So I can't tell if it's Winterden or Winnerden. I've no idea, but it's wherever they go, I, they go. Winnerden, yeah. W-I-N-N-E-R-D-E-N. Oh, it is. Winnerden. I thought it was Winterden. Even along, yeah, the ruined sound of Winnerden Flats is at Ivanhoe Beacon along the Ridgeway near the village of Ivan. I even know. That's not too far away from where my, from where my sister lived for a while. Oh, so. yeah. Okay. And when she lived it's in a real train. place, is it's it? It's owned and protected yeah. by the National Trust. They're interesting. So they get there, and then this is where I start to get really interested in this film because it d- deals with so many things that I love. They're driving round, and they're driving through these kind of weird... Um, anonymous bits of landscape on these big kind of new roads that are being put in. Uh, and then I can't remember the, the, the kind of sequences, but they come to a road which stops. Yes. So some signs are there saying, don't go any further. And they've got this really excellent kind of British fascist kind of symbol on them, haven't they? Uh, yes. yes. Um, which I was like, yes, this is great. And then they turn around and drive off. As they turn around and drive off, the foreboding music comes out or something like that. The music's brilliant in this. And then some soldiers come out of the bushes and they've got these weird hats and gas masks and stuff on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got got a a moth attacking me now, John. Oh, this is weird. Yeah. Zach Bagans. (laughs) Well, I watched an episode of Zach the other night where a moth was summoned and kept flying through flames and it didn't catch fire. <laughs> the Mothman prophecies. <laughs> They're going through a process of exploration and they go across this kind of ridgeway and then they look down and he's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. The moon project. And then it's a brilliant vista where you see the model that he's, he's designed is being built in this landscape. And straight away, I'm just like, this is an amazing idea. This is such a brilliant idea. But they, they've, they've stolen, stolen, but they they've stolen this idea. That's what the whole film is about, Ross. But they, but they don't say that they, they are building a moon base on, on, no. on Earth. They're, build, they're building a base which will allow creatures to live on an alien planet. Mm. But they that turn, is what but they ends, say later. That's it, the dialogue. it turns into like some kind of like vat to... Build giant kaiju. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly yeah. that's the point. Well, that, well, that's not what um, Crazy no, has made it, it for. No, well, <laughs> I think you've been quite specific there, Ross. Uh, okay, well, yeah, you know, one moon base can be just create. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and also they, I do think, like if it was being made now with modern eyes, because like, yes. obviously it's that thing of he's gone and pitched the moon base to the politicians, some of whom are the aliens. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Take yeah. over the thing, Stylee. 
And they've looked at that idea and gone, brilliant, we'll nick that. We'll have that. And that's how I read it. Yep. Yes. But I thought, I thought the way like Quatermass just kind of like goes, oh, that's my face. And he's a bit befuddled by it for about 30 seconds and just yeah. lets it go. It's crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. I think well, that has got more to do with Brian Donlevy being steaming and not a very good actor. That's my face. Is that my face? Yeah. Read it, read it, read in the notes. Apparently he would stumble onto set, say, what film is this? And then, <laughs> and then try and try and read I... all his lines off a board. Yeah. And then try and, um, uh, try and, uh, cop off of one of the guys. <laughs> you've got, I, I've you've always thought you've had a very lucky face. <laughs> so I think that that is a brilliant twist. Mm. which you see right at the start. I presume that was probably a cliffhanger or something in the TV series. But I think yeah. at this point, that's a brilliant twist already at the start of the film where he's had this idea. Um, he's been told, no, thanks. Mm. And then he goes somewhere, looks, and he sees it, and everything he's done has been ripped off. I think it's a brilliant yes. idea. Um, then, unfortunately, his friend Marsh, who was played by Brian Forbes, and Brian Forbes, we need to just Google Brian Forbes because he's an interesting guy. Okay, I've got it here. What did he write, Cleves? He wrote right. something. One of the most important figures in the British film industry. He directed the film. He directed Whistle Down the Wind, Seance oh, on a Wet wow. Afternoon, League of Gentlemen, the proper League mm-hmm. of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen, yeah. Um, he's married yeah. to Annette Newman. He was oh, married wow. to Annette Newman. Fair play to him. So, yeah, very interesting guy. Obviously acted, but then turned into... um, He's Emma Forbes' dad. Oh, is he really? Oh, wow, of course he's Emma Forbes' dad. (laughs) That's really weird. Um, I think we should point out for any of our foreign foreign listeners that Emma Forbes was a uh, one-time Saturday morning kids' TV presenter and daughter of um, well-known... British actress Nanette Newman as well. I, and obviously the daughter of Brian Forbes as well. Yeah, wow. And, and he was That's in the good. army with Roger Moore. Wow. wow. Really? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he did loads of stuff. He was the head of EMI films. Um, he wrote loads of stuff, produced loads of stuff. Yeah. So a very talented guy. He's there. They find a whole one of the meteorites. He digs it up and then it goes off puff, in his face. So you cut away like a to Brian. Yes, yeah. so you cut. You cut away to Brian Donlevy going, uh, Marsh. What's that on your face? <laughs> For a minute, I thought I could see a black bubble, um, and then it cuts back to Brian. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, someone has come and, and applied some of the wax stuff to his face yeah. that you yeah. to make cuts with in the theatre. Um, so then you see, I mean, for me, that's the only weak part of this entire film is the, the makeup effects effects are absolutely well, some of the effects are brilliant, which we'll come to, but some of the makeup effects aren't very good at all. Mm, um, no, but, but so my notes were, my notes yeah, were, on, were at least like, mate, don't just pick up mysterious, uh, alien yeah. rocks. I've, <laughs> I, I, I've seen Chernobyl. I know how deals go down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, last time, oh, what's all this mysterious looking rock? Oh, no, no, no. It never <laughs> no, ends no. well. That's another pre- no, Prometheus no. mistake though, isn't it? Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it allows That's you to, scientist. but it does give you that mark, like Invaders from Mars, when they get the mark on the back of their neck. Yeah. This is a thing yeah. where you can, the, uh, the viewer can then identify who is a, the baddies. a baddie. Who, yeah, who's yeah, been yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then these soldiers turn up in a Land Rover. Um, and then there's a bit of casual brutality, which this film yes. is quite good at casual oh, brutality. Stuff later on, yeah. 
where um where Poitamas tries to reason with them and they just hit him in the face with a rifle, yeah. which I think is very, very un-British. <laughs> yes. And I was just, and also the accent of the guy sounds a bit like Eastern European, and you think that they, they don't sound British. Mm. They're they're to all intents and purposes, they're acting like an invading army, aren't they, at this point? Yes. Yeah. Um but the point being that you're in Britain and you can't understand what's happening because the British British people wouldn't act like this. They wouldn't do things mm. like this to each other. And then he just hits him in the face, yeah. even though obviously he's not British. He's American in this film. God, we've only got about 10 minutes into this film, haven't we? <laughs> we've got lots of... We're then, halfway we've through the themes. first page of five pages of notes. Right? Oh, God. So, we wow. Need to get, we need to go a bit quicker. There's just so yeah. much plot, though, isn't there? Yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so Quatermass goes to the new town looking for the police. Yeah. Well, yeah, he escapes, yeah. doesn't he? He, yes. he kind yeah. of flees go, the, the bastards. Go now. <laughs> yes. Um, and then he turns up in the new town and the, the most remarkable thing there is he, do, like, he goes, where's the police? And they're like, there's yeah. no police here. We don't need we police. Need police. And then he's like, well, who's in charge? And then he's kind of, kind of pointed towards a, like a church hall and basically yeah. I've written it in capital letters. Wist Drive. I thought, you don't see Wist Drives anymore. I can remember from yeah. like being in the Cubs as a kid that, that, that yeah. Wist Drives are a thing. And I thought, you just don't yeah. see a Wist Drive anymore. So Wist so is a card game, nostalgic. isn't it? It is a card game, yes. 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 I don't know if money's involved in some way, is it? Matchsticks or me. You play for money? Yes. Um, mm. So he goes in there. It, so this is quintessential, quintessential like English kind of middle management isn't it so there's a guy in there he's faffing around it's roger lloyd pack's father incidentally yes. um, Charles lloyd pack yeah mm. um and he is the kind of jumped up little shit um that you, you know captain mannering kind mm. of figure who's like I've you're really- asking a lot of questions i've put amazing keep your nose out of it vibes <clears throat> just <clears throat> from everybody because yeah, the yeah, one yeah, poster yeah. that they've got up, we learn, obviously, it's, it's the aliens that are doing this, but it says, talk about your job, lose it. Yeah. <laughs> In that kind of post-war government yes. information. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, that's sort of something like the, the conservatives would like now, isn't it? Yeah, Don't yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. how much, your, any rights that you've got at work, you should be yeah. lucky you've got a job. And, Shut and, up totally, and get on yeah. with it. Yeah, this is exactly one of the loose lips, sink chips. Yeah, the pretext of this film again is just—it's so on the money for for now. It's nuts, really. Shut up and work, Um, because they say, um, "Oh, the the guards, the guards have dealt with him," and then someone else says he shouldn't have gone there. And it's like Mm. this is very now. It's like, oh, that. You know, that woman was murdered. Oh, well, she shouldn't have walked down that street in the dark. And it's like, mm. what are you talking about? The man shouldn't have murdered her. <laughs> the, um, it's that insane kind of mentality, isn't it? Where something bad happens to you and then someone will say, well, fault. you went down there. Yeah, mm. you went down there on your own. It's, it's your fault. You're stupid enough to go down there. Like, there's always going to be murderers around. Um mm. So I, th- I found all that thing of this kind of paranoia at the start of this film very effective. Um, they say that the police won't touch it. Um, and then I think we cut back then, do we, to... He goes um, off to the police station then, doesn't he? Yes. In the meantime, do we find out that the meteorite is a container um, yes. and, and has, uh, is hollow and has had something in it which obviously comes out when the, when the meteorite lands? And it looks like, some, looks like a missile. It looks It's aerodynamic, all that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, 
So it's it's basically put together by an intelligence. It's not just a kind of random thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Quatermass decides, right, I'm going to get to the bottom of all this. I'm going to go back to Westminster yeah, and I'll start asking some questions. And then he starts having a series of meetings with different politicians who, who go, you know, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, discuss that, Quatermass. And I've written, the enemy of this film is really the official secrets act. No, yeah. no one can say anything to him. Yeah. Like, right. can't no one can see. So hands up who has signed the official secrets act. Whoa, really? Why? Have you? Yeah. Well, I can't say, can I? Oh. In what context? In, in what context? I had to sign it when I was on work experience once. Oh, yeah, I remember Come that. Come uh, I, I, I can't say. John. I can't say. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's very mundane, John. It's yeah. very mundane. Oh, how weird. Not the RNLI. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Is this a secret conspiracy to get as many foreigners into the country as possible? <laughs> So he drives into London and you see the kind of seat of Parliament and yes. kind of rationality and all this stuff. Mm. But then you hear the kind yeah. of music and he sees some kind of trucks going by. That's right. With the um, machinery on and they've got the kind of the logo. symbol on them, the symbol, yeah. which is the logo of evil. Yeah. Um, is that your best think, tattoo, John? Yeah, oh, I'd love a tattoo of that. That would be amazing. Imagine that. <laughs> Um, when you say next tattoo, I, I have no tattoos. Um, so he goes to see his mate, Inspector Lomax. I don't know if you two would have re- realised this without seeing the first film. So, John, I've seen Christmas and the Pit. Is that, after, is that the third one? That's after yes. this okay. one, yeah. Okay. So the first film, Quatermass Experiment, which is no mm. E in front of X. Like um, extra. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Has Jack Warner in it, who was Dixon and Doc Green, and he is the same police inspector, Lomax, but does, doesn't come back for this film. So you've got um, a bit of a lucky-likey, actually. He's quite a good lookalike. Mm. So he calls in on his own mate and basically turns up and says, <laughs> Mate, something's everything- up. Yeah, something's up here. Like, I've been to this place, and this guy's been infected, and there's these meteorites, and then I got hit in the face with a rifle, and the other guy's just like, oh, whoa, this is a bit uh, But if you think, like, if this happened now, you could just, you could WhatsApp someone or text someone to say this is happening. Like, then you go, right, I'm going to have to drive four hours. We're probably going to take five hours, five or six hours. More on that later, Ross, but it gets more summing up. My whole kind of, like, if you did this now. Because I still think it's something that's really ripe to be be done. So, yes, carry on. on. I'd love to see this remade. Um, So then what I really like then is that he is then put in touch with this MP Broadhead, Mm. who um, it, it turns out to be... Quite ironically and humorously, this obviously a kind of pastiche of the idea of a Northern Labour MP at the yes. time. But so is he called Vinny Broadhead? So he refers to himself in the third person all the time, doesn't he? Broadhead they're not going to pull the bottom of this. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to pull pull the wool over Vinny Broadhead's <laughs> eyes and all this kind of thing. <laughs> so they talk. He talks about oh, they had tin huts there. They spent millions of pounds, <laughs> insane costs. Um, so he's a brilliant character, and I think he yeah. almost steals the film because of what happens to him in a, in a, in a very few moments. Mm. Um, so he's, and this is what, and this, and I really like this idea is that basically Broadhead himself has looked into it, into this. Yes. Um, and his, his kind of realization that 
what is being marketed as um, a synthetic food substitute. Mm. Mm. There is actually no distribution network for this oh. food substitute. See, and this, I just this think is that just, yeah. it's this just is such a mund- mundane thing, isn't it? It's like... So this is the government's handling of PPI, isn't it? Yeah, it's like... like, Who's in charge of this exactly? Who's got this gig and how comes they've got it? Yeah, 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 Something's very fishy here. What Broadhead then says is, well, I'm going to go and have a look at this for myself. Do you want to come with me? Or let's see if we can get you to come with me. And then with that, you know, AN kind of stooge turns up, doesn't he? And says... Oh, you want to come with it? And, you know, he's obviously been turned by the aliens as well. And it's amazing. Like, first of all, he goes, what's your name? And he goes, Podemos. I really made me laugh yeah. out loud. Yeah. Podemos. Yeah. yeah. And then the other guy just goes, to hear him. <laughs> he just kind of like smiles and nods. I realise, you know, for yeah. the, point with the podcast, people can't see me, but I just think that, yes. And then he's I've like, heard of yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can come along. And so, it's a good yes, scene. And then, you know, the game is afoot. They're going to mm. go back there, check mm. it out, and find like out what's going yeah. on at this. But if you think, how many miles have they covered? Yeah, well, he's, done, he's just done 90 miles to get to London. Now he's got to go... My, this 90 miles is mentioned a lot, isn't it? Because Where is it? It's about 90 miles away. <laughs> well, I was thinking, yeah, because they, they all get in the car, there's a lady there in her hat and gloves and stuff. Yeah. And I was just thinking, it'd be really uncomfortable. Take re- what's, what would be the, what's, what's the speed limit back then, John? Would it have been? There wasn't a speed limit until the late fifties, but I doubt those cars would go be able to go very fast because of the state of the roads. Probably, yeah, it just would have been a horrible journey. Amount <laughs> of people in that car. Well, I love that you're questioning this, Cleve. <laughs> a film about the end of civilization and the Earth yeah, turned into think- a colony for ammonia-eating. Yes, aliens. gestalt aliens. And I'm worried about car sickness. Yeah. <laughs> but what I like about that scene is that it's um, the kind of um, banality. Is it the banality of evil? And that's a bit yeah. of like the Nazis with this, where you've got yes. this idea that, that it's all just to do with process and kind of um, uh, t- t- just... Someone at the end of the day has got to be the one that presses the button that kills everyone. But it's mm. all these kind of faceless middlemen and kind of um, um, kind of pen pushers and and yeah. the thing that that Broadhead has has kind of hit upon the fact that there's no distribution is this the kind of really mundane way of finding out about an alien invasion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And yeah, you've got yeah. so you know you've had the thing recently to do with um, shortages of petrol, and it's like. Modern life, it just teeters on the edge of chaos because constantly a few drivers have retired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like suddenly it's like, you know, it's on the news that a few petrol stations have run out of fuel and then everyone goes chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what this film is about. It's about all these kind of ideas where, you know, the amount of petrol could be in all the cars at one time is like double the amount could be in the petrol station so if everyone mm. just fills up it's gonna it will empty it, no, empty them. yeah yeah so it's always yeah. always the case even if they were full yeah you know yeah yeah it's yeah. just mental yeah the just in time it's all to do with this just in time just idea in time economy, economy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah so they go to the um they go to the plant which gave me sort of doctor who inferno vibes it did make, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah i expected like a uh a a, a, a reverse um, evolved man to sort of uh, yeah. appear all green and furry. Um. But they, they turn up at the gates 
And they go, we're here to have a look around. And the guard goes, yes, in you go. And Broadhead goes, well, nothing sinister so far. And I thought, <laughs> you've literally just turned up. <laughs> it's like, well, of course. You've literally yes. been there for 30 seconds. What were you expecting, man? Yes. So, yeah. And then they start to have their tour around the quasi moon base plant, don't they? Which is a, a uh, shell oil refinery. And we, yes. they, felt, they thank at the end of the film for letting them film there, don't they? That's, yeah. that's when shell were fine and they weren't, that's you know, dicks. <laughs> uh, destroying Africa just to keep making fucking oil. Yeah, um, yeah so at this point, um, Quatermass nips off to have a look in the medical centre because he's there on the pretense of looking for his pal. But he is acting yes. like a, a, a drunk, though, as well. As he, right? He's just sort of <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to go through it. Humbly enough. Did that actually just happen? They thought, fuck, we're going to have to go with it. You know, In his Mac. Yeah. His ill-fitting Mac. He, I, so what can we just say? I, I mm. really thought that he was the worst part of this film. I thought that yeah. he'd, look, he'd, he'd looked... He didn't look like a, a genius or a, uh, a rocket scientist. He just looked confused. Or an enigma. Yeah. His clothes, yeah. His clothes didn't fit him properly. He didn't look like he knew, knew what was going on. His eyes were yeah. darting from one side to the other. He always looked sweaty. Yeah, I can see why Nigel Neal thought he was not I, an idea. I, I have to admit that I'm always slightly charmed by him in that he just, he's totally wrong for the both films but he actually, there's something about him which is quite likable and kind of like totally, he just seems bemused by everything, which kind of makes it more believable because he's, he's playing it so straight that there is no, because he's just drunk, isn't he? So yeah. he's just yeah. like literally like, like, what's that over there? <laughs> <laughs> and in a minute, there's kind of like the, one of the, the famous scenes we're building up to now. Yes. What I put is that when this happens, I like looked across at, at Quatermass. He looks entirely unmoved by yeah. what's happening in front of him. He's yeah. like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's like, Jesus, he doesn't throw his hands up or anything like that. He just no. kind of goes, for being the titular hero, he does fuck yeah. all. Yeah. 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 Doesn't he? Yeah. Like you wouldn't. Well, he's get... got the, he's got the idea, which is the kind of payoff at the end of the film, isn't yeah, it? So how, he, got, he organizes that. So you wouldn't get a, 58-year-old, roughly, you know, man who looks like that to be the titular hero of a science fiction extravaganza nowadays, would you? No, and that's why I'm glad that he exists. Because <laughs> I'd rather watch him than someone like Brad Pitt in uh, World War Z. Like, that's highly shit film. Like, this guy is much more believable because he's just like a drunk buffoon. Um <laughs> And I think, you know, good on him. But um, So they go into the medical bay. They say they're part of the inspection party. Mm. And they're just met with, like, really antisocial men, aren't they? They're really... Yes. The people that greet them always set my teeth on edge because they're just so rude. Um, and I think that's quite <laughs> deliberately un-British as well because they don't say, good afternoon or anything like that. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just like, no, there's no one here. Yeah. And then... Um, the guy, I can't think of the guy's name, but he's Jonathan Harker in Dracula, and he's terrible in Dracula, and I think he's really good in this. Um, so the guy, the smarmy guy who is the company man, he finds them again, and he's like, 
you can't keep walking off, you know, keep coming, you know, we've got a, you know, scheduled route. Yes. All this kind of thing. And then, so they go, um, there's this sense of like, they're being delivered though, isn't there? As time goes on, they kind of go into the kind of lair of the beast kind of thing. Even though these, all the people working on this plant have been taken over by aliens, they still wolf whistle a woman. Yes, only some of them, Cleves. Oh. Not all of them. The people from the village, i.e. The workers. The unturned. Yeah, 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 yeah. They haven't been. And that's the part that... Oh, okay. When you see them come to the base later in, in what's obviously the echo of, like, the villagers attacking Frankenstein's castle, that kind of vibe, mm. it's obvious that you that you have the ones that are, like, the chosen ones, and then you have, the like, the normal humans. And that's in a lot of um, Nigel Neal's work as well, where it's people just against other people. The alien part is actually like quite, quite academic. It's actually just about how nasty humans are to each other. Mm. And I think that's a part you have in this. Yeah, because they wolf whistle at a woman at this point, don't they? Yeah. And, th- and Broadhead goes, eh, there's nothing wrong with them, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Broadhead then says, I want to go and have a look inside one of these, these tanks, which, you know, they're, they're on the tour. They're like, Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't look inside there. Don't, don't go in there. And before they know it, he snuck off. And then they're like, Oh, we've got to go and find him. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden, like, he like emerges from one of the tanks. Yeah. In what is probably like the most horror scene of the film. Like yeah. covered in this black goo, and he goes, "Don't touch me! Don't oh. touch me!" Like like Richard Pryor when he when he caught himself on fire, free bracing <laughs> cocaine. Don't touch me! I'm going there. And yeah. he sort of runs around for a bit, doesn't he? And as I put down here, Quatermass is strangely unmoved. Well, he does by a this. great. He does a great sort of surfing down the stairs. The sort of thing you do. Oh. Yeah, when you're sort of a little bit drunk, and you sort of oh, yeah. go down a couple of steps. This um this scene, I think, is one of the best scene scenes in all horror (laughs) all horror because it is so horrifying that this guy thinks it's food in there he goes in like augustus goop yeah so you have (laughs) you have the semi-comedic thing of wait a minute going broadhead 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 with different echoes on it and then you have the kind of um reveal of the guy like you say coming down the stairs he's covered in like well it looks like Black treacle or something, oh, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But th- he, what he thinks is food, it basically, the resolve, the reveal is that um, this is food and it burns. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, that's really fucking dark. Yeah. He's fallen in this stuff and it's burning him to death. And he just and like, it's made him blind. He can't yeah, see. It's made yeah, it's him blind. It's see. so yeah. intensely it's horrific. Sitting. Oh, someone yeah. was telling me a story the other day with the original Friday the Thirteenth that um, there's a bit where someone has like a fake uh, arrow put through their head, mm. and, they, and they made their own fake blood, and they they used um, uh, film developing fluid as one of the components in the fake blood. <laughs> so when they poured it all over the guy's eye, he went blind for a month. And oh was, my god! They, was, they didn't know if he was going to re- regain his sight. Oh my god! Yeah. Horrendous, horrendous. Oh. So yeah, I think yeah. one of the key things, certainly in British horror, 
I just think it's amazing because it's very modern kind of horror. When you look at all the other the stuff that Hammer churned out then for the next 20 years after this, it's all like mm. Victoriana. Yes. It's all like period set. It's, um, it's uh, you know, steak through the heart and it's garlic and all this. But this is like, this is the horror of modernity. This is like... Mm. You know, this is the this is what we're being told is something that's going to save us, and actually, it's something that's burnt him to death. Mm. Yeah. And it's just like I I always think that Quatermass at this point, with his reaction, is almost like a scientist, and he's kind of he's trying to question what's actually happening to the guy, and he's kind of aloof to the pain that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find the whole scene like really traumatizing. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So if Hammer had made this a few years later, that they probably would have cast Christian or Lee. In this, who yes. who would you think would have been given the part of Quatermus? Cushing, Peter, Peter Cushing, almost Cushing. certainly, because I think he was meant to play him on TV. Mm-hmm. Some reason okay. couldn't play him on TV, and then I think he was meant to play him again in um, Quatermus in the Pit and couldn't do it. Ill. And it's <laughs> it was it's because his wife it was, got ill. Um, Oh really? No, yeah. really? Yeah, I believe so. And it was um, Andre Morel replaced him, mm. who is very good as well. So yeah, I think for that scene alone, brilliant, ten out of ten. Mm. Um, and then so he he escapes from there. He doesn't run out. We're not going to go into the detail because we we're going through this film very forensically. It's, like, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because there's but, so much happening. If you listen to X Extra, we're like nothing happens. We skip yeah. through this bit. Um, there was a 20-minute conversation here about how they used to be husband and wife, and then 
It revealed nothing. Yeah. It revealed literally Apart nothing. Apart from the girl from Bond's boobs. Yeah. So, um, so he heads back to see Inspector Lomax, and then Inspector Lomax reveals that the front page of the paper is um, news that Broadhead <gasps> has become like a trade envoy oh, yes. and has left the country. Oh. Um, and that obviously is a, is, is a super twist that then... You're like, they, oh, they've they've all got of the, the government. Media. Yeah, they've got, they've the got the media. They've yeah. got the government. And there was a po- some point where he went to go to his uh, superior to report this, and he noticed the superior yes. had the, um, yes. the scar on his hand, so oh, he knows that yes. the police are in on it as well. Yeah, so Quatermass yeah. says, go to the commissioner. He goes to the commissioner, who looks a bit like William Hartnell, and then as he sits down and he starts to tell the story, he looks at, looks at his hand, and he's got the big mark on the his mark. hand. Mm. So I, I think all that is really... Brilliant. I've got to say that um, while you got while you've been talking about this, I've increased my score because, um, oh. because um, you're making it better than my original. Um, Does this happen every time, Cleves? Often, not but not always. I said to Hell earlier, James will have liked this, and Ross won't like it because it's not like something he watched when he was fifteen, which has got like loads of <laughs> jelly on boobs. <laughs> 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 so true. I only like horrors where there's like jellies of boobs and blood. Like, <laughs> women are covered in blood. Why did we be scared when I was 15? There's a lot of extrapolation then where mm. Sydney James is introduced. Um, yes, at last. <laughs> which, is, which is very bizarre. As a, drunk, um, as a yeah. drunk reporter. A drunk reporter who seems to oh. be doing an American accent at one point. At some point. Yeah. I don't really understand what his well, accent meant to be. Yeah. Well, I wondered if it was because, of course, you know, he is from South Africa. He's South African. Oh, really. yeah. And good I point. wondered if it was at this point he was still kind of like quite new to the country. Yeah, and quite, maybe. So he hadn't quite settled into Although the country. Although he always looked eighty six. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. governor. Yeah. Kind of role. <laughs> but they, I thought it was weird because this is the only straight performance I've ever seen him do. Yes. I've only ever it, seen him in Carry On or Bless This House or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a few films now where he's straight acting in um, on talking pictures and they're mm-hmm. really interesting, actually. I've seen him in a boxing film once, I think. Oh, yeah, he's good. I think I've seen that and he's good in that. But there's another one that's something to do with like a market stall. <laughs> like I love, in the past, they do an entire film about a market stall. Yeah. I'm to say that's very post-war austerity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a Children's Film Foundation film about yes. that. Yes. But um, so him, Lomax and um, Sidney James then decide to go back again. To go back. Yeah. Yeah. To, and this, I think, this is where the kind of pacing of the film is a bit dodgy because obviously yeah. it's. But films it's, used to do. I think it's all to do with them adapting a TV script. It's, it's yes. TV episodes that are concertinaed down from yeah. like six yeah. episodes or whatever. It yeah, because was they would, to uh, like, back then they would have had like twelve sets and they or six sets and they would have had to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. I, th- I can't remember if I've watched the TV version. It's a long time ago, and I think only a few episodes exist but it is a case of where it's very much done like a sitcom where they've got four sets next to each other and they basically cut from set to set between mm-hmm. between mm. scenes with different actors and then there's a few film, film yeah, yeah there's a few film inserts of like winterton downs or winterton downs or whatever the fuck it's called they then go back to the church hall and they there's a dance happening which is very um 
Well, it's not very rock and roll of fifties, really, is it? It's like a kind of wall. Christ, do we need rock and roll sharpish in this yeah. country? Yeah. It's really yeah. low. And they're all kind of like doing like it's 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 almost like sort of country dancing, isn't it? It's it's yes. very weird. Yeah. Uh, it's quite interesting. Interesting. It's the woman who goes onto the poster, basically, isn't it? Like the well, Vera Day, yes. Yeah. The Vera Day for for listeners is a kind of proto Barbara Windsor, mm. who um, I don't think went on to much fame, but was a very similar genre. So she's very petite, blonde, kind of sparky, um, chopsy woman in this film, but she's only in it for like three scenes, bless yeah, her. Yeah, um, yeah. She was in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, apparently. you joking. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> she's still alive. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Wow. There's no oh my death God. on a, on a IMDb. Oh, wait, what year was she born, please? 1935. Wow. Wow. That's nuts, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, they go into the hall. There's quite... All of this is a really good scene here because it's, it's extrapolation and it's doubts and it's doubts of are we, are we mad doing this? Can this be believable mm. from, from the protagonists? They go in and the people that are in the hall are like, why are you here? You're endangering our jobs. And then you've got the revelation that all the overtime has been cut and... Um, all the zombies have taken over the jobs in the um, in A the great plant. example of someone actually referring to someone as a zombie in a film. Yes. Where if yes. it was a zombie film, they would go out of their way not to refer to them as a yeah. zombie in any way. Yes. So that's really interesting. And then what happens is that they try and um, there's a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, and at this point, one of the uh, meteorites comes through the ceiling mm-hmm. to speed up the explanation of this Vera Day is kind of infected by this thing yes enrages all the men yeah Yeah. all the men are very enraged the boyfriend is enraged at this point Sidney James is trying to ring through to his paper to explain what's happening suddenly sobered up up. yeah suddenly sobered up and sounds British again but then Quatermass and the inspector are outside looking in at this point saying why is he doing this then the guys in the in the wagon turn up with, with the, the metal um, detector, metal detector and helmets, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. going around to try and find it. I do they, think that if we ever go to like a, a horror convention or like a talking <sighs> pictures live thing, we should dress up as the uh, the soldiers from. Yeah, you've from... you've always got an eye on cosplay, yeah. Rusty. Man, yeah. what we've done, where we go, oh, if ever we do this as a convention, I'm going to turn up dressed <laughs> yeah, like I this. I'm going to dress like that. It. They, um, their helmets are too small for all of their heads. Very strange. Yeah. So they basically look like half a coconut on their head yeah. and then a gas mask. Um, so they turn up. They, they are quite threatening though. And the gas masks obviously have got this kind of, um, dehumanizing feel. Yep. So then they go in. Sydney James, and I'd forgotten all this part. Sydney James is on the phone. Just then one of them turns round, nudges the others, they all turn round, they machine gun him. Machine gun him. Yeah. That they is just decide absolutely that's brutal. It does feel, uh, I don't like seeing guns in British things. Well, but it be, does be, feel be, bearing nervous, in mind that earlier, you know, they just beat Quasimass up a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they've upped the stakes, haven't they? Now it's like, well, he's on his phone to, he's on the phone to an editor. Kill him. Is he the titular character? Well, we don't kill him, but we'll kill him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I was astonished at that, like how brutal that is in mm. any kind of film like this where you see um, 
you know, you see death in in horror film all the time. Mm. But the guy that's just there, he's been introduced as quite, you know, a kind of comedic character. They literally just like exterminate him there and then, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Um, and he, he's, there's a shot of him being shot. It cuts back to them. Then they fire again. And it cuts back to him kind of just like going down behind the bar where he's been yeah. bringing really, really brutal, very almost, almost shocked. I wasn't shocked because I've seen it before, but um, it did make me think, bloody hell, that's a bit much um, for any kind of British film in the 1950s. To show someone being murdered in that way was really surprising, yeah, actually. Yeah. Michael Ripper's introduced in that scene as well, which for all Hammer fans, Michael Ripper is in virtually every Hammer film as, like, the bartender, the policeman, the gravedigger. I thought I recognised uh, him, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's a legend. I wish he was still alive. We could have him on the podcast. It'd be amazing. He is dead. But then I've just, I just refer to films he hasn't been in and to piss him off, like, <laughs> to, to we did with Paul Canal. Oh, God. Oh, let's not go there again. But then, long story, you know, kind of cutting to the chase a little, the people of the town decide... We can't, we're not going to put up with this anymore. Let's go and storm the yes. base. Yeah. And one of my favourite bits is that, like, the, like, the police inspector, whoever's with them, right, they run into them and they, they've, they've kind of organised themselves into a mob. Yeah. And they've already got, like, clubs and things like that. And the policeman goes, no. the best bit is, he says, you, <laughs> you men, go home. You yeah. can't do anything. And I've written yeah. down, they're, they're a massive mob. They're yeah. exactly the sort of people that can do something. It's yes. like there's loads there's of, a them. Lot of them. If you just rush anything, you, you, I, you'll get stuff done, guys. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Go. He's got a car. We can use it. Use the car. <laughs> I was quite surprised at this point by how epic this sequence felt because there's a lot more extras than you'd expect in a Hammer yes. film in the 1950s, isn't there? Yeah. There's like... Correct. Usually there'd be about 10 men all just going, but there's a good 100, 150 years. But when they, easily, but when they end up storming the gate, yeah. they very quickly decide, yeah. I'm going to take a gun and start shooting people. Like, yeah. well, and it's <laughs> yeah. like right. from like getting a little bit of fisticuffs to actually killing people. Just kill yeah. 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 Like, you don't break up our whist drive. <laughs> I don't expect consequences in this country. But no, the big thing, what, what I thought as I was watching it, I thought, oh man, you know, all of these guys are extremely kind of like weapon proficient. Yeah. And yes. I suddenly realised this is 1956. Most of them were involved in, were involved in World War II. Exactly, James. They've or all been in the war. Done, or had done national service. Yeah, so yeah, I did yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's legit. I can imagine joining a mob. But if someone's fired a gun, I'd be out of there. Uh, there. <laughs> if you were in a mob, you would fill your pants in the first 10 minutes, please. You would, you just couldn't handle it. We built towards the denouement. So now we have the enraged British worker, the British yeah. working man, and Quasimass, and the cops, yeah. kind of versus the alien invasion. Quasimass and- in disguise after, after running oh, over yeah. a robo man. That was weird. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the best bit in it. In his ill-fitting outfit yeah. at this point, that, isn't that he, Brian? That reminded me of the Earth Dies Screaming. Yeah, 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 like, yeah it looks yeah, like he yeah, ran yeah. over a real person that time, it- rather yeah. than yeah. a model. It actually looks quite realistic. <laughs> yeah, but, but doesn't care. Just no. starts taking his clothes off. Just gets his clothes off. Well, he's, he's been zombified, isn't he? But what you find out at the end is that the zombies can be cured. <laughs> yes. so, 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 so zombies are killed. <laughs> yeah. 
You can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. And remember, <laughs> he was he was very passe, as we learned from in the first movie about his entire astronaut team dying. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, uh, you, know, you got to expect some bumps on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those bumps are Robo Man. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Donlevy is in there already. Um, as we've said, it dressed up with his coconut hat on and his gas mask. So he's in the room where they're putting the gas into the big gas domes. Yes. Opens up and he sees the creatures in there. And yeah. I do find this, again, absolutely terrifying and, and really like... It's like the skin of evil, doesn't it? V- viscerally yeah. horrific. Yeah. I don't know why it works, because it's obvious that it's just a man covered in the latex-like... Blanket. Blanket. But it does but work. This, For the 1950s, yeah. it's yeah. good. The sound effects, the music, the kind of... I think it's like kind of slowed down, and the kind of whole thing works really well. And it, it looks really, really horribly horrific. Like like a kind of... Have you ever seen a sheep's stomach or a, pit or a cow's stomach lining? Yeah. It's like, like that kind of thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. horrible organic. Mm. I just love the way you're you're di- you're disturbed by an old black and white 1950s film, but you yeah. see someone flee to death and hellraiser, and you think it's shit. It just looks shit. Clean. It, looked, <laughs> it looked poor. It just looked like it just looked rubbish. Uh, this looks there is a kind of economy of horror in this, mm. which makes the horror mm. work. Whereas with hellraiser, it's just it's like nonstop. It's what perfect. No, it's just what pervy gothic fat people find <laughs> kinky. <laughs> and that doesn't do anything for me. I, I have lost a bit of weight. But, um. <laughs> no, I'm talking about, you know, but who we went to college with. He, fat. he was so skinny because he was a heroin addict. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was just like, he would probably watch Hellraiser again and again and again and be like, oh my God, it's like, you know, it's so sexually transgressive and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it's just a perv's idea of what's kinky. And like a man with pins in his head is just stupid, really. Whereas this film is like, because the film is actually good and the context is good and the setting is good, it works, whereas mm. I think something like Hellraiser is just nonsense. Absolute rubbish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we get to? So the... It's the end. We're building They're up storming the, final... the base. Yeah, so the, the alien... Yeah, yeah, storming so, the base. So they end up getting going into that room, don't they? All right, well, and yes. And first of all, the, the aliens go... Oh, come out. If you come out, nothing will show you what we're doing. Nothing bad will happen to you, I promise. And then one of them goes... Let's do it in a very kind of British. We, I shall do whatever anyone in authority tells me to do. I think, as for a horror, for for a horror element for me, that is the most horrific part because I always imagine that if I was in any situation like this, some end of the world situation, that I would be stuck with a load of idiots who would not <laughs> listen to me. Reason, yeah, who would be like trying to do the absolute opposite of what you would need to do to survive. Yeah, it's like um. There was that thing once where the, there was uh, that ter- terrorist group who um, took over a uh, they sort bah. of they stormed a like a shopping mall. Some mother got her two children to pretend to be dead for like twelve hours so that they yeah. wouldn't get shot by is it Boko Haram or something like that. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I know my if I was stuck in any situation, my own children they would. Fuck me over. No, they would. They <laughs> yeah. would not stay. They would not be able to stay still. Or not. They won't last ten minutes. No, they wouldn't. It, the worst. The worst. Two worst things would be 
if I was in any kind of, um, you know, extreme situation, be stuck somewhere with my own children because they yeah. would be an absolute liability, <laughs> and, yeah. that, and I would not, I would have to stop for them. Get off that banister, <laughs> or be stuck with any of the other, any any of the public, or so. Or my wife, because we would always argue about what what we was going to do. We was watching um, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds the other day. Yeah. I said we wouldn't last five seconds because we would, as soon as that happened, we both have completely conflicting ideas of what we were going to do, and yeah. we would stand there arguing for half an hour, and then we would get disintegrated. <laughs> so that part when they were stuck in that room, um, and there were people, there was a difference of opinion. It was like that would be my worst situation because I know people wouldn't listen to me in arguments, and I would not be able to put my argument across no. properly, and I would just get frustrated. I think that um, scene could be a play in itself, couldn't it? Where yes. they all debate which what they're going to do, yeah. and some will want to leave, some want to stay. Mm. Um, I, the, just before that bit, what I liked is as they're coming into the base, you finally hear the person on the tunnel is just going "shoot to kill, shoot to kill," which I was just like, again, it's this British thing turned on its head, where it's like we're all very ordered, we're all very orderly. But there's yes, a yes. point in there which I could where the voice over the tunnel was saying something, then it kind of... Was he talking in a dumber language? Or was yeah, he... I think there was two voices, wasn't there? It's like they were talking in tongues. Mm. Because, I, it was over that, because I felt like he was talking to someone off mic, but I, I, I just couldn't work out what yes. was going on there. No, I couldn't, but I think it's... It, I think it was just to show confusion and kind of they're losing it a bit at that point, aren't they? So Quitimus was trying... It basically um, <laughs> pushes more oxygen into the um, the big domes and turns yeah. the ammonia down to try and put, slowly poison the organisms which are in, inside there. Because they can't, they can't live in Earth's atmosphere, can yeah. they? That's the point of this film, please. Exactly. But <laughs> as in the stone tape where there's a big room saying supplies... Yeah, there's, there's a US big, Army. Yeah, there was a big um, cupboard saying um, emergency weapons or, or something. <laughs> yes. there, yeah. well, yeah, where they have to they, they have to get the policemen to help them. Give that but they, what a character does say, oh, they were like they were ready for any situation or something. Yeah. So it's just kind of make you think, bloody hell, what were they planning? You know, they would def- they would defending this to the death kind of thing. But why use English to mark their cupboard? Well. Yeah, that's a very good point, Cleves. Yeah. But then there's, an, there's anti-tank guns in there, which is great. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love an anti-tank gun. In the meantime, we cut back to the base mm-hmm. where Brand um, has been priming the rocket, getting the rocket, the atomic rocket, ready mm. to go. And then Marsh comes back to stop him from firing the rocket at the alien base, which is on an asteroid that we found out about. And then, um, and then. They machine gun brand, um, brand as well as he lets the rocket go. And I was astonished at that part. So, and then you've got this long scene where he drags himself across the floor to press down a plunger. Yeah, right, that was nuts, wasn't Bridge it? on the River like, Kwai style yeah, 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 yeah. Again, it's this very kind of um, nihilistic kind of unglorious death for him where... Hmm. He's the hero of the film, really, in lots of ways. He's just dead on the floor. Just caught an orb then, John. I saw my first I orb. know, I did see an orb. I did. I have seen an orb. 
So I've written British Doubt, Rockets and Stuff. <laughs> John Powell's um, first uh, collection, collection of diaries. <laughs> the idiot men who include Charles Lloyd Pack and a few others, a Scottish man who's very old, who doesn't seem, who seems too old to be working as a, as a like builder or, or, or construction Or to survive this far through yeah. the, um, <laughs> the gun riot. Um, they go outside and then in the, Another piece of insane horror for this film, and a really lovely um, shot as well with the, with the the dome with the blood coming out. Oh, right. mm. Yeah, no, the dome. I'm talking about the. the oh the right, sh- when they walk towards the dome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they look out the window. They see the men walk towards the dome. Other men come and join them and don't have guns. But then you hear this awful scream. Oh yes, which comes somewhere. down the pipe, and they're like, "What's that scream? What's that scream?" And then the pipe, the pressure in the pipe has gone mad. A pipe cracks, and out of the pipe comes blood. And Quatermass says, they've blocked it with what? They've blocked it with what, mister? <laughs> and um, and Quatermass says, they've blocked it with human pulp. <laughs> and it's like, what? Yeah. It's like, how horrific is that? Yeah. And how do you know? But yes, it, it's... Well, because there's blood coming yeah, out of the thing. The it's obvious. Pulp, yeah. it's so it's like... They've killed them, they've popped them, and they've stuck them in the pipe. To stop the um, like, oxygen coming in. Yeah. But it's like, again, like, so much, like, high-end horror in this film that is, like, it's weird because I think it's a modern or contemporary setting. It seems a lot more horrific and shocking than the horror in just, like, you know, Freddy Krueger or whatever. It's mm. like a kind of industrialised type of... of Horror, and it's a bit, you know, like coming after the war with concentration camps and all that mm. kind of idea. It's like horror on this kind of industrial and kind of mechanised scale. And it's the fact that, that they've pushed men into machinery to try and block, it up. block the pipe. It's mm. really, yeah, really it, quite shocking for its time. It must have been really shocking for its time. And I'm astonished that that went past the censor with him saying they blocked it with human pulp. Fire out the window, don't they? Yeah, and they blow up the big dome. With the anti-tank yeah. gun. Which causes gi- uh, giant crap kaijin to, to come out, which it, basically it is men covered in rubbery... Bin bags. Bin bags, yeah. Yeah. And there are bits where when they're walking around, you see it come up and almost see their feet underneath it. No, you don't. They've got horrible... They've got horrible feet, like big, horrible mushroom hooves. <laughs> and they're walking around and they're like walking. Oh, these monsters are absolutely horrible. But these they're are, really they're the, disgusting. They're the, you know, six stories high. This is the last thing I expected to happen at the end of this film. To have yeah. Like, yeah, 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 me giant too. Godzilla-sized monsters yeah, yeah, come yeah, out yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that kind of ambition at yeah. the end of this film. <laughs> that like this big egg dome breaks, doesn't it? And then the big, these horrible, like... um because Quatermass um, describes them as lots of creatures that kind of stick together to make one big creature, doesn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. And they just have this horrible slow motion thing and they don't really seem to do anything, just stand swaying. Mm. Oh, they really could put the willies at me. I don't like them at all. The rocket has already gone off and they, they, the people in the before this, they thought that they were sending flares up. Flares, that's yeah. right. But at that point... The rocket finally um, gets their uh, hidden base. orbiting base, which is in yeah. the, um, the dark side of the Earth. 
and yeah. follows the it up. Dark Side of the Earth. I write yeah, that down. That's, like, you, that's you, our next you album. You couldn't have that now. You could, you couldn't have the dark, because, because of satellites and what have you. You wouldn't have the Dark Side of the Earth. No, it blows that's that lovely. Up, and that kills the massive Kaijin, and the they, they dried, they drop down. The Robo Men come out of their um, control. Come back to life. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the scars disappear. Inspector Lomax says something about writing his final report and Quatermass says, how final can it be? Yeah. I, what, I, don't, I didn't mark. get that. Well, what do you mean? Are there, are but, there like, some is of, it over? How long before over? they're back again, Ross? How long before they... And, you know, you've seen what happens, Cleves. There's more aliens. There's Martians in um, Quatermass in the pit and then there's the... Yeah, but they're from billions but, of years ago. Then there's quite a mass conclusion. Yeah, which I've started watching, which is brilliant. It is very, very, very good, and it must have cost so much money because mm. it was made by um, not Thames, um, Houston Films, mm. which is like the film arm of like we, uh, LWT or mm. something mm. like that. So and it must have cost an absolute fortune to make because it looks like a feature film, it's doesn't brilliant. it? It's really good. Yeah, I, w- yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. that we did that, but it's it's like six hours long, so we. It is really yeah, long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's what we was originally going to be doing. But however, let's go back to Quitmas Two. We'll come back to Quitmas Four later. What did we think? Uh, I think it's the best thing we've watched. Okay, so therefore it's going to be a five from you. I answer. think so. Yeah. Um, in terms of subtext, in terms of whatever the other text is. <laughs> What's an unsubtext? The unsubtext. It's text. Text, just yeah. the text. Um, just everything about it. And I think even... I've had this film on DVD for about 20 years or something now when I worked in MVC, so we're talking a long time. On the mm. Buffett? Yeah, on the Buffett. <laughs> I haven't... Um, did, did they sell um, uh, Spearhead from Space at MVC? <laughs> They might have sold it on VHS. I don't think they had it on DVD yeah, at that okay. point. No, it's on this now. was this was pre the Who Re- Who Who Venation. Yeah. Um, oh, nice of uh, two thousand and four, two thousand and five. But um, uh, just with COVID and the way the current government behaves in kind of saying one thing and then doing the total opposite, I just thought mm. this film makes so much sense. Absolutely. You talk about things being ahead of their time. Mm. But I think this is kind of timeless because it's like Britain always seems to have this thing of like not being able to trust whatever idiot wants to be in charge. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people say, oh, we vote to put these people in charge. But it's like they always turn out to be twats, whoever they are. <laughs> and it's like some dickhead always wants to be in charge. Yeah. And that's the point of this film, I think, really. That but who said that, you know, if someone wants to be in, in charge, that, that is the last person you want to yeah, be yeah, put yeah, in yeah, charge? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, that's this film down to a T. It's like every British government since this film was made really has been pretty much mediocre. Um, and especially with... You have to look at New Labour and say, you know, they did some very good things. But if you look at how the Labour Party have conducted themselves since this film was made, they've not been very good at getting into power. So if, you, if you're left wing, you're supporting people that really don't seem to actually want to do the job. And then the Tories who are doing the job are, are imbeciles and they're just filling, filling their bank accounts. And that's, you know, this film is all about that kind of mentality, yeah. isn't it? Where yeah. And that's a view from South Wales. 
<laughs> I thought I was talking to Nikki Campbell then on Five Live. <laughs> Nikki, I'm disgusted. Uh, <laughs> can you turn your radio down for us? Michael thought was right. I do have um, old recordings of John when he would refuse to turn the radio off when I was recording a podcast. John, I can hear the I can hear the fan heater and the radio in the background. Please, where's please. this from? But we started doing a Dot Two podcast. You wouldn't turn them oh off. My I'm listening to I'm listening to talk radio. What? I can't edit this. Have you got that in the background? I never. I, I have never listened to talk radio in my life. <laughs> I only listen to Five Live. Five Live. Yeah, get it right. right. <laughs> James, what did you think? Well, I, you are quite right, John. I did really enjoy it. And, I knew and, you know, it. For, for, I knew for, it. For, the, uh, for the reasons outlined before, I also thought my big thing was, I thought, my God, I know it was designed to be a TV show, but I thought if you could remake this now, as John correctly says, this is also about today. And I thought so many of these themes would just work like gangbusters if you did them again now. The whole thing like... What are the government up to? What's going on over there? And like, no, don't put, don't, don't, don't stick your nose into stuff. And, you know, oh, you know, and then now, especially now, as I said, things have changed. So you have more of a natural distrust of government. You do it like that. And I just thought, oh, yeah. No. And then, you know, people going, oh, don't trust him. He's a scientist, as you yeah, were saying yeah, earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Presenting the general public with something's up here. Something's not right. And people are like, oh, yeah, well, we don't trust you. You're a scientist. All right. And I thought, oh, my God, you could. So do this now, really, yes. you know, and with a really even more sinister overtone um, and, and feel to it. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I really enjoyed it because of that. And as always with things like that, if you're watching it, it's making you, you know, it's setting off the, you know, the fireworks in your head and giving you ideas. That's really good. Um, mm. So, yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, I said for me, amazing, amazing. That's the best thing I ever saw is a five. So it's an extremely solid three from me. Oh, three, well done. Very good. I, mm. Just what you were saying then, James, it's like with mm. track and trace, thirty-two billion pounds. Yes. Where? Where? What is where? the money gone on? <laughs> God, where exactly. is the money? I could have that. That is yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That is yeah. like, and it's like keep your nose out than, of it. Shut yeah. up, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in charge. Get you on with your job, you little shit. And exactly. I, I installed it. Never left my house. It started telling me I was I was being infected by people, and I haven't left my house. So I deleted it, and that's See, it. See, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. It's like more than half the Ministry of Defence budget for a year or something was spent on mm. that, and it's like there is literally nothing to nothing show. To show. For. All they've yeah. done is build a massive under underground base somewhere, haven't they? Where they oh. presumably yes, yeah. presumably yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay. I originally gave this a two, but I've given mm. it a three now. Um, He's gone up. He's just, seen the arrow of his uh, yeah. face. Well, just talking about it made it more fun. I just didn't like the the guy playing Quatermass. There was yeah. no titties and jelly. No, titties and jelly dot <laughs> com. Um, I, I, uh, I've started watching Quatermass 4 on yeah. Redbox, and I recommend you guys watch it. Okay, it's, cool. it's brilliant. It's really good. And, yeah. um, where have you got, is this you the got one to with it, like, like you know, like like the end of the world style cult, and it's all on yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah. seen an article about it before yes. in the past. I've never, I yeah, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, John Mills is great. Yes. The production design is amazing. It's mm. it's almost flawless, really. Yeah, it's just like the, there's a bit in there where they pull up um, to go into the British Television Centre, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just like this 
sort of like post-apocalyptic sort of set they built just from the go through the gates. I think, yeah, God, the amount of money they spent just building yeah. that just to it go took into hours. It. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's really good. Burnt out cars and yeah. like it, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it is really good. So, um, I think that was what we was originally going to watch. That looks great, and I'm looking forward to watch more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Quatermass in the Pit, the TV version. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed, and I've also seen the um, the live remake they made with David Tennant and Mark Gatiss. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one. Which okay. is pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed this, but um, it, it was just a little bit... I didn't like the hero, and it was a bit dated for me. But, yeah, I'd give it a three, three out of five, because you guys have made me enjoy Hooray! it more. We're now doing something horrific. We recommend something which we've seen, listened, read, or listened to. Has anyone got anything this month? Week? Right. So I went on holiday to St. Ives and I bought a book which is called Cornish Horrors Tales from the Land's End. I, I don't know if that's a Cornish accent or not, really. Close enough. What's he doing? Has he got it as well? Oh, probably. <laughs> so I continue. I thought you got it as well, then. I've got the London one. Oh, right. Is that the same lady? Yeah. It's the same, um, from the same people. I got Into the London Fog, Eerie Tales from the Weird City. So, Joan Passy, is it? Uh, the editor. I don't know. Yeah. No, this editor is uh, Elizabeth Dreary, but it's the same, oh, that's interesting. same people. So they've done a, a London one. You've got the uh, Cornish one. Oh, I wonder if there's a South Wales one. That'd be good. Um, so a lot of these aren't horrific or ghostly. There, there's a lot of gothic short stories in here, which are like, you know, a woman in a tower with her sister's dead body and stuff. But then I read one last night, uh, which is called The Haunted Spinney hmm. by Elliot O'Donnell from uh, 1905. And this is very good indeed. It's very dreamlike. It's quite a weird little story. It's not very long, 10 pages, if that. Hmm. I don't know really what it's about, but I think it's about a man who is watching himself as a madman um, doing murders in this, in this haunted spinny. And I don't think he realises he's watching himself as an out of, kind of out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And then in the other one that I read, which is good... Um, it's called The Roll Call of the Reef by Arthur Quiller Couch, which was from... Oh, blood, I, mean, I, I don't think it says when this one is from. Probably around the same time, like 1900 or something. Uh, that one is about... Um, it's quite hard to describe, but it's about some men that survive a shipwreck and become friends, but then one comes back as a ghost as the other one is dying. Mm-hmm. And it's to do with a lock, which has locked their trumpet and drum together because they were in the Navy. Uh, and it's a secret word that undoes this lock. Um, so they were very good, very effective, very good ghost and horror stories. Um, the rest of the book has been very good and very readable, but I wouldn't say it was particularly horrific or ghostly. It was mainly like gothic-y, 
kind of a bit sub yeah. Bram Stokery stuff. There is a Bram Stoker story in there, which isn't very good, actually. I've got to say, <laughs> this, the London one, I gave up on the first one because it was, it, I, I felt like it was some kind of like comedy or parody or, or something which yeah. I didn't really understand because I wasn't Victorian. Yes. Um, so uh, I need to go back and give this another go. Give yeah. it another go, Cleves. Yeah. And I would suggest this one. I thought this one was, this is good. But like I said, it's not, it's not really horror as mm. such. Mm. It's like that kind of weird, penny dreadful kind of stuff from the 18th century, 19th century, which I presume is now out of copyright. And that's the reason why they're putting all these together. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's over 100 years old, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. James, yes. what you got? Okay, well, I've got from this, um, I saw, I was uh, having a look on The Guardian, as as one does, and every now and then they do kind of, in terms of you know, their books segment, they have like top 10, and they get an author to say what is their top 10 in you know, whatever subject it may be, like books about schools or books about time travel or things such as that. Mm. Straight away, I was, I was intrigued by this one because it is top 10 urban legends in literature. Oh. And straight away, I was like, I'm interested. I want to. Yeah. And some of these are kind of authors that either A, we're very familiar with, or B, I'd read before. So like the 10 they give you is Clive Barker. Mm. Our friend, so, so, oh, okay. Um, and then <laughs> the, three, the, the Three Imposters by Arthur Mashen. <laughs> Which Back is excellent. Them. Yeah. Oh, oh excellent. No, I, I th- yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that's good. Uh, King Rat by China, Me- China Meowville. And I, re- I like China Meowville. So I was like, oh, okay. And then it came to an author and I was like, well, I've never even heard of this guy before, but he sounds fascinating. And mm. so I looked into him. He's a guy called Joel Lane. And sadly, mm. he's no longer Joel with Lane. us. He- Joel Lane. 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 Yeah, so sadly, he's no, no longer with us. He's passed away. But he was a writer who did sort of horror and kind of very off-kilter short stories. And they're all set mm. in Birmingham. They're all set in the West Midlands. No and way. Like, oh, and as from, you know, my genetic heritage is from there. I was like, well, now I'm intrigued. And so I, re- I, I looked into it and I've got a copy of his book called Scar City. And it's a compilation of his short stories. And the first two were so good. You know, when you're reading something good, you think, I've not moved. I've just been absolutely sat bolt in my seat. It's so good. So that's what I've read this month. And I highly recommend him. It said, sadly, no longer with us. But yeah, Joel Elaine. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've read a book. So it's all books this week. Um, Yeah. I read a book. Very erudite men. Yeah. A book called Whisper Down the Lane by a guy called Clay McLeod. Okay. Um, and it's a it's based around the satanic panic um mm. oh, in, cool. in america in the um 80s where there was i'm interested yeah um it was a whole sort of like uh almost like witch hunt sort of thing going on mm-hmm. so it's um it's it, it cu- cuts back and forwards between um the 1980s where it's um the point of view of a, a boy um who uh he's uh essentially uh, he accuses his a school teacher of abusing him. So mm. he gets taken to, uh, because that's what he thinks his mum wants him to say mm. for uh, reasons in the book. And then he ends up going to a psychiatrist and they, and uh, he gets into a point where he starts telling them what he thinks people want to hear. And, mm. and so he gets 
as, as transcripts of, of interviews with him and the police and him with the psychiatrist. And basically, it just causes this whole um, uh, satanic panic, basically, like that that there's a satanic cult within the school, other children are being abused, all this kind of stuff. And it will, it, it just gets out of mm. hand and to the point where the boy's like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I'm on TV being, being interviewed and stuff, but I can't go back on it because every, this is all built up. And all I can do is, is just double down, double, double, double down. So mm. it, it it's almost it starts off like alternate chapters from double that. down, double, 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 double down, double down, double down, double, double, double down, roll down. Or was it, were you thinking of chock a block? Yes. Yeah. But then, the way you said it made me think of chock a block, chock a block. And then um, it also goes to the modern day where this boy is now uh, an adult. Um, he he's had his his name changed and he's a teacher himself. Oh. Um, and then things start happening at the school he's at, um, mm. and it, it it's like it's so you go through phrases like. Was there, is there an actual a satanic um, conspiracy going on, um, which um, he just tapped into? Is he doing it himself and he doesn't know he's doing it? Is someone else trying to um, mm. punish him for what he did in the part? And it's, it, it's, it really affected me because, you know, it would be absolutely horrible to be caught on a lie you couldn't get out of. Mm. Also, if someone accused you of doing something and you knew 100% you didn't do it, but no one believed you, it's, it's an absolute terrifying situation. Um, and it, it was, it's, it's a book which, um, you know, I said to Beck, it's just, this book is really, really stressing me out, but I've mm. got to keep reading it. So it's highly recommended. I, I almost forgot that like, we were doing a podcast and I just thought we were having a, a chat amongst friends. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I've, got, I've got to finish this. Um, thank you very much for listening. I just wanted to say yes. thank you very much to everyone who's um, supporting us on Patreon. It's really, really helping because um, it does cost money to make this and thank you very much for doing that and thank you for continuing to support us. It doesn't us. sound like it does, but it does it cost does money. It does cost money. Um, and thank you for continuing to support us when we had our little bit of a hiatus. I appreciate that, that you carried on giving us £3 a month when there was a month Great. we didn't give you anything. So thank you very yes. much for that. Um, Life gets in the way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so next next fortnight, or whenever we get around to doing it next, we will be covering Ghost Watch. With, um, will we? Will the we? Best. Interesting. Yeah, and I'll tell the story about uh, changing rooms. Changing rooms gate. Okay. Fantastic. Wow, awesome. Okay. Well, until then. Love, light, and peace. <laughs> Happy day. Stay safe, everyone. Be good. Bye-bye. Farewell. See you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to The General Witchfinders. <laughs>
We had a lot very to say. Very good. Very good. Lots of content there. There's extra content for the three pounds they paid. <laughs> but um, when did we last mention Spearhead from Space? Oh, oh we've missed it for a little while, haven't we? I think we've forgotten that, haven't we? Yeah. Um, All I do to my kids is like, stop! Because they, like, they walk past the banister and they're like... Ugh, yeah. like that. Well, <laughs> I don't need to do that. Just, just... It'll come off the wall one exactly. day onto their like heads. Saying, that's over 100 years old. It's yeah. not very secure. And also, and if it breaks... <laughs> I'm not going to be able to find another one of those. No. 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 Ross, is, no. Ross went into dad voice then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pinched. <laughs> Stressed. Pinched and like a tight throat. <laughs> uh, that's over 100 years old. It's old. British doubt, rockets and stuff. British doubt, rockets and stuff. Human pulp. British doubt, human pulp. Rockets, human pulp. Duff pulp. Duff pulp. Creeping around like a fucking creeping Jesus. Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill. Human pulp. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.